Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We're going to discuss the grace episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan here with Pastor Joel. Hey, how's it going? Great. What did you think about that episode? That was, uh, it, I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, so it, was, it was. It's so good. It's so good. This, uh, like we said, it it's caused um, the topic of grace is such a sensitive um, topic. And it's it's we've experienced some persecution and some pushback yep. even harder than faith. Why do you think that is? I think because this one is is the word that really removes us of our responsibility behind really behind our own salvation. Mm. I think the Protestant Reformation and and we may see this in other episodes in the future. You know, John Calvin was a big part of that. We see a lot of the doctrine that was taught during those days was what we would deem today as Calvinistic. Sure. Whether Calvin agreed with all of the Calvinistic doctrine today or not, that's just, it's it's what a lot of it is referred to, or a, maybe even saying it this way, a deterministic. But what this does though, in the removing the responsibility of my salvation of grace from me, it puts it all on God. Ah. Which then means God chooses who's saved and who's not. Yeah. And that's where we see a lot of damage, but, but it also in the short term, it's a lot more comfortable believing that, you know what? I'm just blessed that God chose me unilaterally. Mm. And uh, yeah, I guess it would suck to be one of those people he didn't choose, Hmm. but who am I to question God? Right? Like, I can't understand him. Can't understand it. He's sovereign. That's how all these things work together, right? Yeah, that is really interesting. So it's either he saved me and I didn't do anything or he's going to save everyone. Right. Because of like universalism. Yeah. Yeah. Either save me because, because it's, there's, I've never met anyone who said, you know, that they believe that God chooses uh, people and he didn't choose them. Me neither. I'm still waiting for that that ministry that the person has where it's my job to tell people they're not the called ones. Yeah. And I'm not a called one either. Right. I'm not a called one. Hey, <laughs> listen, that's not, you know, I believe in God and I believe, but he didn't choose me. So no. I'm going to live how I want. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. What's the point, right? Yep. But that's actually the the problem is, is people who believe in unmerited favor essentially believe the same thing. I'm going to live how I want. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Right. Because I'm righteous through Christ. He imputes this righteousness on me unilaterally. And really there's, there's nothing in me. I'm totally depraved. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm totally, I, I'm totally depraved. I'm totally righteous. Oh, yeah. Right. Or, and what both of them mean is I am not responsible. Right. 
Aha, I wash my hands of this. I'm not responsible. So that's why I think people get worked up over grace so much. Because faith really to to Christians is just like believe, you know, I believe. Sure. And 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 really how do we prove it is like I prove it by saying I believe. Yeah. So that's why faith doesn't work people up so much. Yeah. This one though gets at the heart of what our responsibility is. So can you give us can you give us an overview of of both the strict and loose perspective, PJ? Yeah, so the the strict is works based, right? Do these right. things. Um tithe, read your Bible, go to church early and clean, you know, listen to your pastor, submit to your husband, stuff like that. All these what's in the Bible, do all the what's. Yeah. And then there's the, the loose side is unmerited favor. And, and that's where it's really, you know, it's, it's similar to the sin loose where it's like Christ made you righteous. There's nothing you did to deserve this. There's nothing you can do to deserve this. And really, as long as you say you believe in Christ, that's all I need to see that to prove that you are a Christian. Hmm. Cause you know, the Bible says not of works, so it's not of works. Yeah. The Bible does say it's not of works, but that the Bible doesn't say there shouldn't be works. The Bible says salvation's not of works. Nice. That grace is not of works. That doesn't mean that we don't have actions that come through us. And it doesn't mean those actions shouldn't be God through us. So one of the ways there's, there's actually a couple analogies that I'd like to share that I think really clear this up Cool. and what we mean. Cause this is one of the definitions that like you said in the last, in the, what the flock episode is one of the most life-changing, powerful definitions of doctrine that we're ever going to cover, but it's worded in a way that can be confusing because I don't normally talk the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. It's not common language for me. So a couple things I'm going to, I'm going to go through a couple analogies and, and I'll, and I'll also, I'll finish by explaining how do we grow in grace? Cool. But all, so here's one, not, we know not every doctrine is defined within scriptures. We saw faith was, we saw sin was, we see grace isn't. But grace gets pretty close. If you look at Titus chapter 2, specifically verse 7, which is an explanation of grace, it states, in all things, showing thyself an ensample of good works. The word ensample, I want to break down for you a little bit. The word ensample means that the influence coming through me is from the original source. So this gets confused. A lot of times people lump the word ensample with example. So an example, EX ample, is like a picture. If I go to the grocery store and I go to the pizza section, I might see a box of frozen pizza with a picture of the pizza on it. 
there's nothing of the original pizza in that picture. The picture is an example, EX example. If, it, if I was to have an end sample of that pizza, that would be like me reminiscing going to the grocery store with my mom when I was a little boy on a Saturday morning when it was sample day. And what you would do, you'd see the nice lady cutting up the pizza and she would give you a sample. What you would actually get is a piece of the actual pizza for you to enjoy. That's an end sample. It's not just showing you a picture of it. It's actually letting you taste the actual pizza itself. It's from the original source. So I love this because this kind of shows what grace looks like through us. There is this work coming out in our lives. There is this life of grace that we have to live. And living grace is being an end sample. An actual piece of God is flowing through me by the Holy Spirit. Awesome. So we allow the Holy Spirit to direct our actions, which requires humility. The Holy Spirit gets the credit for the actions. And it always results in loving others. Sweet. So I love that. So that shows kind of what we mean by the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. But another illustration I've heard that really helps understand our responsibility and the credit, who gets the credit. I've heard it taught that grace is like medicine. Love this. So if I'm sick and there's a medicine that cures that, the medicine cures me, right? I have some disease. I'm given medicine. The medicine cures me. I'm responsible for choosing to take the medicine. And when I do, how ridiculous would it be for me to claim I healed myself? Ah, uh, no, the medicine healed you. Right. So I can't take the credit for the healing. The medicine healed me, but I am responsible for it. So this grace is the same. The grace, I don't get the credit. God gets the credit. This work through me, when it's when it's God's influence, his spirit flowing through my life, God gets the credit. Yet, I have to take the medicine. God doesn't make me let him flow through me. That's a choice I have to make. So with all that said, I know those illustrations have helped me kind of see this. Absolutely. Yeah. The one of the biggest things, because what we're talking about when we're talking about grace is we're actually talking about hearing from God, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Our ability to hear from God, his influence, his voice, his word, his words in our heart and into our reflecting in our life. So this is an ability we can grow in. Awesome. And it's ability we're, we're taught in the, in the scriptures to grow in grace. Mm -hmm. We're taught to grow in faith. We know growing by growing our faith happens by growing our understanding and experience of the subject of our faith. Grace grows the same way. And in fact, I could even do a little shortcut. If I want to grow my ability to hear from God, 
the more I grow my faith, the more I'll have the ability to determine what's God's voice sound like, especially in the midst of hearing it with my own thoughts in the mix, with all the noise of the world, with all the chaos going around us. How can I determine, how can I grow my ability to be able to point out in all of that God's influence? Because his voice is still and small. Pastor Jonathan, I want to grow my ability to hear from God. Simply put, grow your understanding and experience of him. Hmm. Your ability to determine and to discern his voice will grow with it. That is spectacular. So what would you say to someone, you know, so I can, I can grow my experience and understanding in hearing from God. Do you have any tips, you know, do you, do you have any additional tips that would help me be able to hear from God clearer? Like, how do I know, how do I know it's him and not me? And, and, you know, I mean, there's just, there's so many questions that I've had people ask me about hearing from God. Um, but, but let me go, let me, let, let me start with this one. You know, uh, God's voice is not coming. It's not audible. So it's in, in my thoughts, right? It's in the center in which I think God speaks. So how do I, how would I discern or be able to hear that voice in my thoughts? Well, I think Pastor Tater is on the track to growing really strong in his ability to hear from God. Not that he can, I believe he already does, but improving it exponentially. It's one of the things the restoration process does. I'll go through two things that we, we've really helped people with in hearing from God is one, it gives people the doctrine of God. Yep. Because what God does is God speaks through the words you have accessible in your brain. The more doctrine, the more doctrine I have in line with God's doctrine the more chords he has to play with, the more truth he has to work through. Because God isn't using words that aren't in my brain. I need to increase the words and the accuracy of the definition of those words. So non-contradictory definitions of the doctrine in my brain. That's going to be one thing that's going to give God more access to work in me. And number two, and we teach doctrine and restoration, right? The second thing is it also rest in restoration. We're helping people understand the way God created their brain so that they can quiet themselves. Hmm. Cause one of the things we know that one of the ways we describe the restoration process to people is it's for people who are out of control to get control of their lives. So they can ultimately then make the choice to give up control to God. We need to be in control before we can give control to God. And so many people are out of control. And what I mean by that is out of control, meaning these stressors come towards me and it causes me to start feeling overwhelmed and anxious, maybe depressed, Mm. panicky, choking, Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. these mental health issues. That's someone who's out of control. Meaning these stimulus coming towards me are causing me to respond in this certain way 
as if I don't even have a choice over the matter. This thing happens and I feel like crap because of it. So the restoration process, what we're doing is giving people doctrine to hear from God. And also we're helping people quiet their brains because our brains are at a certain decibel. And if my brain is loud, God doesn't scream over me. Nice. His voice stays still and small. Nice. So we're helping people get control of their lives to quiet their brains so that then they're able to find that still small voice in there. So that'd be two techniques I'd give people. If I'm talking to leaders right now, it's like one of the things you can do to help the people you're interacting with, give them the doctrine of God, and that'll start giving God more access to work in and through them. And also help them to help them to understand what it means to bear their own burden, what it means to actually be restored, what it means to be able to quiet and quiet your brains and take every thought captive so that you can pick out God's voice within your brain. That's cool. You know, one of the, one of the results of this podcast that I'm hoping is that people do hear from God more and clearer. And all of a sudden they say, you know, I keep, I keep listening to that podcast and I need to stop it because I feel like I'm hearing from God. I I hear from God when I listen to it. Oh yeah. That would be amazing. That would be one of these, you know, magic wand, magic wand. So that's, that's really cool. Thank you for that. That's an, that is an excellent explanation. We want to build the cords. We want to build the cords, build the ability, build the, you know, the quote God language yeah, yeah. And we want to quiet our brains simultaneously. Yes. So both of those abilities, amazing. So right. cool. So can we take a look, Pastor Joel, at those three categories of, of people, given the topic of, of grace and when it comes up, how they respond according to self-esteem? Right. Yes. So the low self-esteem people, these are the people we, we feel bad for them. We're not judging these people. We actually, we pity them and we've been there. That's one of the reasons we're able to be, <laughs> feel bad for these people. Yeah. Well said. I mean, I think, I think all of us have at least a part of our lives where our plan was to avoid responsibility. Oh, you know, man. if you've ever had anybody ever tell you, you know, when you're pointing your finger at somebody else, there's three pointing back at you. Yeah. That's that person essentially trying to tell you, buddy, you need to stop playing the blame game and take responsibility for your life. We've all been in that position where we're trying to remove the responsibility of answering for the way I'm living my life. So it's way more comfortable for me to feel good about myself if I can just believe, you know what? God's sovereign. He does what he wants to do. He chose me. Nothing I can do about it. Now I feel good about myself. And that's a bummer. Yeah. Because it's wrong. And these are the people that I'm not only feel bad for, but I'm I fear for. These mm. are the people that it's like, ugh. Are they saved? Then the mid-self-esteem. We see with mid-self-esteem, the common thread I'm seeing is these are people who feel good enough about themselves to start avoiding the damage they're seeing in the church, but not quite good enough about themselves or not they're they're missing something on the right way 
to make progress in this area. So these people, I think, a lot of times feel stuck. They have enough information to essentially stop the bad, but they don't quite yet have the right information to start making progress towards the good. And then the high self-esteem people are really people who their first step is going to be taking responsibility. We see this with leaders as if there's something wrong that happened in the context of your life that you were involved in, a leader's first thought is to, how could this have been my fault? Why? Because they're, they're not afraid of the responsibility behind that as it relates to who they are. And also they know, well, that's what I need to do in order to improve the situation. I need to find out where it's wrong. So these are people, you know, the high self-esteem people are going to be people who, who care more about God being right than them being right. Nice. So what is our ultimate answer, Pastor Joel? What is the conjunctive for all of this? Yeah, this is another one that breaks down, another nice way to break this definition down in the conjunctive is the freedom side is the divine influence upon the heart. Okay? Yep. There you go. That's a freedom. The freedom half of grace is always going to be any influence from God on your heart. Yeah. And did I do anything to work to get that grace? That seems undeserved, doesn't it? It sure does, Pastor Joel. Yes. Then the limitation side is is where this all comes together. Right. And it's reflection in the life. So it's only grace if it's both of those. Right. Grace is not God's influence. Grace is not my works. Grace is God's influence through my works. Nice. If it's not both of those, it's not grace. That's how conjunctives work. Both halves need to be true. So in order for it to be grace, it needs to be God not just speaking to me, but me hearing that influence and allowing it to be reflected in my life. That's why another way we've simply stated this is taking direction from God. Nice. Taking direction from God implies he's telling me something that I'm following through with, that he's, that I'm allowing him to work through me. And, and that's why we believe that God is always speaking to us. Right. That he is. is, there is never a moment in my life that I can say, oh, the reason why I did this stupid thing was because you weren't talking to me and giving me your influence. Right. Yeah. I think that would be unjust of God. If he right. like, like I could knock on his door and be like, where were you? Like I tried, <laughs> but we see the opposite in the scriptures. We say, That's Hey, right. come to my throne of grace and I'll give you grace to help. And, you know, come and get my wisdom and I'll give it to you liberally. It's like nice. he wants to be communing with us. I'll say this, the more and more I understand God and how he works, he wants to hang out with us way more than we've ever shown him. We want to hang out with him. So that's something we can always, you know, another way that he loved us first. We love because he first loved us. We are the weakest link in this relationship. Yeah, right. Right on. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. 
This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.